0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. Today, we have a mom and dad on the show, Angie and David, all the way from Dallas, Texas. How's it going, guys?
1: Hey, we're doing well. How are you? Hello.
0: Doing absolutely wonderful. Excited to have you guys on the show and just hear your guys' story about your little son. And um, yeah, I'll let you guys take it away.
1: All right son. He is 14 months old today. And we were diagnosed through um, an NIPT test. Um, It was kind of a, a strange day all around. I'd gone to the ER because I had some bleeding. So I'd had this really dramatic day already that I thought something was going wrong. And then everything was fine. But while I was waiting... In the emergency room waiting area for David to come back and pick me up, um, the doctor called and he said, I wanted to let you know that your test was positive. I said, well, what does that mean? Well, your baby has Kleinfeld Do you want to know what the gender is? And I said, well, what does that mean? And then he read basically the bullet points that you find from Google. He'll, he'll be infertile. He will have possible breast tissue growth. Um, and he'll be extremely tall. And so that's how I found out I was having a son. And that's the information that I was given. And then, of course, I went to Google from there and kind of ruined the rest of my day and honestly a lot of my pregnancy by looking at Google. Um, and then we chose not to have an amnio or anything like that because it wasn't going to change our minds. We were very excited to be having our son. And when he was born, every anxiety that I had, every sadness that I had about the diagnosis just melted away because he was absolutely perfect. And we were in love from the second we met him.
0: That's uh yeah, that seems to be quite the case with a lot of families about how they find out that they have Kleinfelder syndrome. And um, what were some of the emotions that both of you had when you kind of got that call and or you, you got that diagnosis right there um, when you went to the ER and in the hospital?
2: Go ahead, David. Well, Angie called me and told me, you know, hey, I'm ready to be picked up. So I, I came back, was getting her... Um, and she told me, I, you know, I have some good news and some bad news. Um, you know, which one? I, I can't remember how it went, but it was basically she said, you know, you're having a boy, which is something I, I really wanted. This is our third child, and we have two girls. So I was really super excited to have a boy. And uh, and then she said, but he, but he has uh, Kleinfelters. He came back positive for, for uh, XXY. So. Um, I didn't really know what that meant exactly, but Angie was pretty upset. Um, Angie is, is all, she's, she's a really great mom, but, but she, she can cry at the drop of a, of a hat. And, uh, I I initially, and really never at once have I been concerned about it. I mean, you know, I, I told Angie and I think this is what every parent that has a child with some special needs. We're just going to get him the help he needs. He's going to do the things he needs to do. And, you know, we're lucky enough to be in that situation where we can afford these things. We can take care of him in whatever way he needs. But my initial reaction was, you know, I was a little confused. I didn't know much about it, never heard about it. It's such an unknown uh, condition. Uh, And Ryan, you're probably one of the first generations. I would think that, has gone through this with actually being diagnosed with that. I'm not even sure I'm 42. I'm not even sure my generation, you know, Gen X, and I'm a younger Gen X, or I don't know when they started diagnosing this. I think a lot of guys, older guys, didn't even know they have this until they couldn't have kids. So, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's really important that, and, and I kind of talked to you about this earlier before we started, but, that this is not not anything that you should consider you know not bringing your son into the world it's just he we look at him and he's just perfect we love him and and, and there's nothing nothing to worry about um, you know there there may be some some challenges coming up and we're facing those head on already uh And Angie can talk a little bit more about that, but you know, I just love him to death. He's such a sweet, sweet little guy. And he's super sensitive and he's just smiling all the time and, uh, just a wonderful kid.
0: So what are some of those challenges that you guys kind of have seen, um, with him and, and how old is he?
1: Um, he's 14 months and, um, the challenges that we're facing are, is it's in general, it's just a gross motor delay. Um, so he has just, in the last couple of weeks, started to crawl. So it took a while. It took a lot of uh, physical therapy, a lot of exercise and work. Um, so it's it's the low muscle tone combined with motor planning issues. And I think with him, he's actually pretty Long, so I think that the motor planning issues are really where he runs into trouble. Like, he, when he's on his tummy, he can push up fine and he can stay in that position for quite a while. It just took him a while to figure out for his brain to communicate with his muscles exactly how to crawl. Um, for a while, he was pulling around with the right arm, for a while, he was just going in circles, for a while, he was going backwards, and now he's finally figured out how to go forward bilaterally using both sides more or less equally he's not up on his knees yet um but that'll come that's just more to more to to practice so um i've worried about it almost constantly um and i have to say that that your podcast last week with jack's dad was kind of a turning point in my worrying about this because I thought when Jack's dad was saying that he was sort of, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he was sort of taking away from his enjoyment of Jack because he was trying to get Jack to play in a certain way. He was wanting him to be interested in certain things. And um, when he finally figured out that Jack was Jack and Jack was going to play the way he was going to play and be into what he was into, um, it sort of, I don't know, relieve some of this anxiety and pressure. And so I translated that into Adam is going to do what Adam's going to do on his own timetable and I can help him. We can help him. We can provide physical therapy and whatnot, but in the end he's going to do it his way. And if I let go of things being um, on a certain path and a certain schedule, it's healthier for, all
0: of us. I love, I love how you say that, that last sentence of let him do things his own way. Um, it's something that I think you'll look back in 10 or 15 years when he's going through high school and, and you're trying to get him to do, you know, homework or certain things. And, um, you you know, he'll, he'll look back and, and say, mom, like, let me do it my way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Any kid is, is like that
0: for sure absolutely yeah i mean just just because we have an extra x chromosome doesn't mean that you know we can't do anything else that anybody else is you know gonna do or wants to do and um yeah it makes us extra special and we do have some just like learning you know learning delays and stuff like that but like you said just you guys are going to help him with what he needs help and when he needs it yep absolutely so what um what else do you guys uh like want want to talk about about your son? Like what are some of his amazing qualities that you guys have um like picked up on even though he's only fourteen months?
2: Go, David. Well I think he's he's just he's super sweet. Uh he's always has a smile on his face. He very rarely fusses. He has found his voice this week with this really high pitched
1: scream. scream, but
2: like a uh, pterodactyl scream. Yeah, but <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's pretty normal this age. They're finding their voice. He's He is super easy, super easy. Easiest baby. And he is, uh, you know, both uh, Angie and I are musicians. And, you know, we have formal training with classical musicians. And we hear him pick up on notes we'll play or we'll sing. And so we can already tell. He may have perfect pitch. Really good he year. has a really good ear. He has a really good ear already. Um, he's he's he studies things a little bit more than I think a lot of kids do. He's figured out how to make make this puzzle that he has play the sounds without putting the puzzle piece in by hitting the button inside the puzzle. And
1: you can already see him figuring out how things
2: work. Yeah, he has a very a very inquisitive mind. Um but he is easy as pie. He sleeps really well. He's always slept well. He uh, slept through the night since he was eight weeks old. Yeah, wow. we were lucky with that. Yeah, so, but he, you know, we go back to talking about, you know, letting him do things on his own way. I'm a big proponent of that in general, just for all of my kids. You know, not forcing them to do something that I want them to do, but letting them find their way and, you know, letting letting him be different and letting him do what he wants to do. I mean, I, I've been told that I need to do certain things at certain ages with him, try to get him, you know, to do certain things that the experts have told us to do. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to force any certain sport on him or any certain activity. You know, he's got to find his way. And hopefully he has some of the common interests I have. But, you know, that we can do some fun things together. But if he has other interests, we need to let him uh, develop those
0: as well. Yeah. One, one of the things it's interesting you say that one of the things that my parents did with me um, that I remember is, you know, they, they pushed me um, they pushed me to do and try lots of different sports and activities and things. And, you know, I remember I, I did like one day or two days of soccer and I just, at, I think I was like ten or eleven, and I just I was not a fan, and I immediately told them like I'm done, like I am not doing this. And then they, you know, they pulled me from that. But I'm glad my parents pushed me to play um, like t-ball and baseball, even though I wasn't the most coordinated kid. I I had to practice with my dad outside of practice, and um, I did sit bench a little bit when I was younger. But then I also got to play and. I kind of dabbled with all kinds of sports and all kinds of activities that we, that were available back when, you know, I was a kid. Um, so computers and that stuff were just coming out when I was like 11, 10, 11, 12. So it's not like it is now or how it will be with your son in the future. Um, so it's, it's really cool to just, be able to talk to a mom, both of you guys and, and be able to, um, hear like your perspectives of where you're at with Adam right now. And, um, do you have like any kind of quirks or any things that you guys, as far as like parents go that you guys could like tell the rest of our community and people that are listening about, you know, that are on the fence about keeping their child or, um, people that have newborns as well. Oh,
2: I mean, I, So I, I, I think I mentioned this, but you know, I grew up in a house with with a sister who has Down syndrome, and you know, uh, to me, living with someone like that, and she's a wonderful person, but she has a lot more challenges than anybody would have with with XXY, and to me, when you see, you know, if you're on the fence about you know, not having the child, there's nothing to worry about. Have the child. The child is going to be great. And you're going to have a few challenges, but it's going to make that child so special and so different. And that's what we need in the world. We need people that are different and special and that have different talents than the status quo. And so to me, it's just, uh, it's a no brainer. And I am not some like, you know, Big anti-abortion person, but but this is—it's just—it's—it's it's not even a question. I mean, after we what what when Adam came out uh, at birth and we saw him, we saw how beautiful and handsome he was, and how what what he's turned into now um, uh, as a, as a young toddler, it's just—it's wonderful. There's nothing better. He's, he's he's perfect for us, and I don't think there's any. I mean, uh, I don't think there's any reason if you're on the fence to to not go through. And then, you know, as he's growing up, uh, he's just been great. Everybody loves him. Uh, he's the center of attention. Um, he lights up a room. He lights up a room. He, he's just, and I think, and this is something that Angie, my wife Angie here, she she talks about. Um, so so when when I when Adam was diagnosed. Um, Angie's really good about, like, just mama bear. She's going to find everything out she can about this. So she found, like, the best ex- experts, supposedly, or one of the best in the country. We, we fly with him once or twice a year to see her. And she also is part of a study in Colorado, uh, in Denver. And he flies up there with him when we're not in a pandemic. And um, everything we have talked to with the experts, you know, he's just, he's, he's exactly like what they described. Uh, These these little boys are so sweet. They grow to be very big and tall and strong. And, but they're going to need, you know, some interventions here and there. And to me, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the interventions, you, you know, you just do it. You do it for your kids. And
1: And you do, you do. It's the same approach that you have with a child that doesn't have a diagnosed condition.
2: Right. Every child has, has challenges. We have a 14 year old, we have a 14 year old, a four year old and Adam and the two older girls, they have their own challenges. I mean, You know, everybody knows when you have a teenager, when you start to have a teenager, there's challenges. And we're having that right now with our 14-year-old. And then we have challenges with a 4-year-old for sure, especially in the last two years from 2 to 4. So every child likes things, and you have to encourage them. You have to see what their strengths are. Our oldest has no interest. Uh, Our oldest daughter has no interest in athletics. But we foster her violin playing, her piano playing, her art lessons and stuff like that, and that she's she's taken to that stuff more than say soccer. We we did we kinda did the same thing, Ryan, that your parents did with you, where we put our daughter in soccer and she she was chasing butterflies more than watching the ball. So that was <laughs> it for her with soccer. So it's, And
0: it's good that you guys it's, noticed it's good that you guys notice that as parents and, and you know uh, put her into the things that she was more interested in
2: yeah yeah i mean sports were not going to happen she likes to go out and throw the baseball with me but she has no interest in playing softball she has no interest in in that stuff she she wants to hang out with her friends and watch you know k-pop bands and and do her, YouTube
1: her orchestra and, and,
2: YouTube and-, and stuff <laughs> and all that so you know that's fine you know we're good with that but i think every pair it's, these these children, uh, the Kleinfelters kids, they're no different than any other normal kids. You're going to have ever challenges with every kind of kid. You just, with a Kleinfelter
1: diagnosis, you kind of have a roadmap of what the possible challenges are going to be. So, in a way, it's a curse, in a way, it's a blessing. Um, I, I tend to look at it with gratitude that we know. And so, we're able to be. Um, really proactive for him um you know he had the the um testosterone shots at four five and six months and obviously that's not something we would have ever known to do without this diagnosis um probably by this point we would know that something was off because of the gross motor delay but um I don't know if they would have a diagnosis for it yet. You know, I mean, I don't know if they would have come up with this. They probably would have just had him in physical therapy and he would have been catching up and meeting his milestones and we would just forge ahead. So at least this way we have a little bit of warning and, um, you know, we can just look out for him a little bit with a little bit more distance.
0: So... You guys, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite um, aware of, you know, Denver. And so I'm assuming that you guys are part of the Denver Testo Study with uh, Dr. Davis and um, Dr. Tartaglia.
1: Yes, we're, we, we're not doing Testo with them. We're extraordinary babies. And actually, we I found out about them from your website.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And so I, I do have to say here, and this is probably the most important thing that I want to say that I mentioned that the diagnosis ruined my day and a lot of my pregnancy, but I will say that David actually found your YouTube videos. So after swimming through all this garbage, including from the Mayo Clinic on Google, we came to find your videos and your site and Ryan, you completely changed the trajectory of our pregnancy. You changed my outlook. I mean, honest
2: to God. I'm glad glad I found your your, uh, YouTube videos. Because because I
1: finally stopped crying.
2: Yeah, she was quite excited. And uh... And
1: I emailed you that night, and you emailed me right back. And I had hope and uh, felt excited about my son again. So I owe you so much.
0: Uh, you don't owe me anything. You're here uh, raising awareness, uh, making a difference, making an impact for future families and, and future people out there that are going to have the NIPT and, and or an amnio and, and find out and go through exactly what you've gone through. And, um, you know, for them to have resources for of other people sharing their stories is, you know, it, they'll be able to find you know, hopefully they'll be able to find our website and our information and your podcast sooner than having to weed through all the awful stuff on Google. And that's kind of our yeah. that's kind of our um, you know that's our hope is to be the one stop shop for you know the first the first the, when people get a, a diagnosis. That's the first thing that they when they type in Kleinfelder syndrome to Google. That's the first thing they see instead of seeing all of the awful and outdated information.
1: Well, it would be very nice, too, if the medical prof- professionals sent them to you first, you know? And at my six weeks... I was going to say...
2: Look, can I start this? Yes. yes. I know where you're going. So, <laughs> so after we had found your your videos and stuff, and Angie had done a lot of research, she went back to see uh, the doctor that, that had told her the, was my the, di- the diagnosis. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, boy...
1: I let him have. She
2: it. ripped into him pretty good. This uh, the OB, the OB. And you know, she he wasn't her first choice. Her first choice doctor had gone back to teach at UT Southwestern, so she wasn't delivering anymore. But this doctor uh, you know, I think he took it to heart. Go ahead, Angie, tell the story. Well,
1: us. I just it was my 6-week checkup after Adam was born, and I went in with a folder of information with the XXY sticker with I wrote down the website. And I uh, also gave him the information for the Focus Foundation, which is um, Dr. Uh, Carol Semango-Sprouse's foundation. That's where we go in Baltimore. Um, and then the information for the Denver clinic. And I brought all that in and I said, if you ever have to deliver this diagnosis again, please lead with your son will be happy and healthy and lead a normal life. Here is some information on this diagnosis. Please don't lead with he will be infertile, he will have man boobs, and he'll be super tall. And oh, and he'll be dyslexic. Please don't lead with that. So you know, like David said, I'm a mama bear and I'm usually more of a pleaser. I'm more careful with my words and I tiptoe around people, but when it comes to my kids, man, I just take the gloves off, can't take it. And I hope that if he ever has to tell somebody again, which I'm sure he will, because with these NIPT tests, the diagnoses are getting more frequent, um, that he he will hang on to that folder I gave him.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the hope is that, you know, with with more just like exactly what you did of taking that information to your doctor, um, every family that has a diagnosis can go to their do- can go to their doctors and give them, you know, some accurate information of hey, like this is actually what my son or who my son might be or what my son might have. Like instead of con instead of uh, focusing on the negatives of you know what they read on Google of just the basic you know rendition of what Kleinfelder syndrome is, they actually have some some real information of of hey these are people that are living with it that are out there have good jobs and have graduated high school and went to college have PhDs like everything under the sun.
1: Yeah. I also called the the on call the pediatrician that saw Adam when he was born, the hospital pediatrician. Because they did the karyotype test and he's the one that called me with the results. And so, and he was super sweet in the hospital, but they did the karyotype test. And then he called me four days later and confirmed the diagnosis. And he said, his words were, this will not change the course of your parenting. And after I went to Denver and I went to Baltimore, I, I tracked him down. I, I had to find his name and look him up and, you know, talk to his secretary. And and he blessed heart, he called me back, but I, I said, this is what you told me. You said it wouldn't change the course of my parenting, and that's absolutely not true. And so I educated him, too, and he also has your website information. So, <laughs> you know, I've educated two doctors. I've done the best I can do on my end, um, but I just hope that that anybody that gets this diagnosis just, you know, honestly, you just put it in your back pocket and you go, okay, well, we'll handle whatever comes up and you move on and you enjoy your child you enjoy your pregnancy as much as you can enjoy pregnancy because pregnancy often sucks but um, (laughs) especially when you're 42 like I was but just enjoy your kid because and I you know Adam we were on the fence about having another child and we weren't actively trying and he showed up and I told David, this kid has plans. This kid
2: yeah.
1: this kid wanted to be here.
2: And it took forever for us to get pregnant the, the previous call. Yeah, so.
1: And we're both wanted a, to be here. we're both in our 40s. I mean, the deck was stacked against us, but here's this little boy and he is absolute magic. And like I said, he lights up a room. Everybody loves him. He's the, the most joyful child. Um, he just I, he's
0: just the light of our family that that's you know that's so awesome that you you guys say that he wanted to be here and and that you guys got pregnant and now now here we are um, my mom had me at 42 so um you know you'll he'll, he'll be He when Knows how
1: much
0: he sucks in your 40s <laughs> <laughs> i love how i love how real you are about being pregnant in your 40s like it sucked <laughs> um oh, yeah. I have one more one more question, and then and then we can kind of uh, phase this out. It's it's been an, an incredible interview and and podcast so far. Um, once you guys kind of found out, and once you kind of came to the, you know, you found living with X Y, and you found myself, um, and you kind of had s- some hope kind of built back into you. How has it been for you guys as far as acceptance goes, and also like telling family or friends um, about? you about his diagnosis?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I don't think we've ever had issues with acceptance ourselves. Um, no,
2: I, I mean, it was a little, I was a little concerned, you know, before I, we started really seeing, you know, people like you, Ryan, live normal lives. You know, initially I was concerned when you read the Mayo
1: Clinic description, but is he going to be okay? Is uh,
2: he gonna, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a very private person. Uh, I just rejoined Facebook like half a year ago for one of my hobbies. But, like, I don't even like to be on there. Uh, uh, you know, I don't Facebook brag or anything. But I, I kind of keep to myself. But, uh, you know, we had, didn't have any issues telling people.
1: Uh, we told uh, we told family when we were pregnant. We told... Um, both sets of grandparents and um, aunts and uncles. Um, And I think I, I told two of my closest friends um, just to have, you know, girl, girlfriend support. Um, And then after he was born, David doesn't think about it. So he doesn't mention it because it's just a complete non-issue for, he just doesn't think about it. And I think about it because I'm I'm worrying all the time, um, but it's just, I worry about all my kids. This one just has a diagnosis. Um, but I have been more open about it be- because it's a non-issue, and I feel like if I tell people about this and they know somebody else that has this diagnosis, they're going to go, oh, well, I know somebody with that, with coin filters. It's not a big deal. He's a beautiful kid. He's an awesome kid. He's a smart kid. So, um, and we're actually in the beginning stages of planning a fundraiser concert for the Focus Foundation, and of course this is all like up in the air, when can this be because of the pandemic, but at some point we're going to have to make a decision about how much we want to come out with this, if we want to raise money and be sort of, you know, um, I don't know, faces of, of the diagnosis and, you know, in order to change the narrative. It's, it's tricky because I feel strongly that this is Adam's story and I feel strongly that I don't want anyone to treat him differently. So I don't want someone to find out the diagnosis and then go Google it and make assumptions about my child. Um, but at the same time, how are we going to change the Google if we don't, if we don't come out with our story?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something, um, I've, I've heard about 500 times, um, about from parents of, you know, this is my son's story, but then my question is, you know, you're going to wait 13 years of his life before you tell anybody or raise any type of awareness, uh, for him um, to better his life and to better, potentially better, you know, research and everything for Kleinfelter syndrome. I'm curious on how your two girlfriends that you told, uh, their reactions and, and kind of how were they supportive? Were they, you know, did you think, did you have any worry when you told them and, and kind of, or were they just downright hundred percent supportive and they didn't, you know, they're not going to treat him differently just because they know. hundred and
1: fifty percent supportive. I, I told my, my closest friend who lives in Minneapolis, she's the mom of three boys and her first words were, I love him even more. And, um, and then I told my other close friend that lives here in town and she, um, was pregnant also. And her son was born two days after Adam. So they're going to, we're going to be besties. They just don't know it. But, um, and she was also, you know, whatever you need, whatever, whatever we can do to help. She was completely
2: 100 percent
1: supportive. So, so.
0: I, I think that you answered your own question about, you know, are you worried that people are going to treat him differently? And the two people that yeah. you have told have been 100 percent supportive and everyone I've talked to that has opened up and, and you know, spread awareness for their son um, that, were, that was worried about you know, this is my son's story to tell. Um, Everyone has come out and said, we've had nothing but positive and amazing support and we're not worried that they're going to treat him any different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, you know, I mean, I'm not as, as I don't keep my cards as close as David does, but I am relatively private too. But this is something that's important and, Maybe you know, I said Adams here for a reason. He wants to be here, and maybe this is part of what his deal is here in this world.
0: Yeah, and it take it takes time for everybody. You know, it's not something that some people that don't have a problem with you know spreading awareness and and speaking up and and doing that. And some people are closed, and and you know, it's it's all about kind of our the our nonprofit organization is all about just giving people a safe place to have a voice and, and to share their voice. And so that's, it's been incredible having you guys on the show today. And, and um, there's so much knowledge that you guys have that you just shared. And anybody that listens to this is going to have, you know, to be able to just hug their child even more, or if they're pregnant, they're going to be able to listen to this and enjoy their pregnancy and not worry as much. And, um, um you know, your story is going to no doubt, no doubt, I believe change lives. I hope so. So do you guys have anything that you would like to say before we uh, decide to go our separate ways?
1: Um, just another big thank you to you. I know you, you say that I don't owe you anything, but um, I am so grateful. We are so grateful. And the other parents that have um, contributed on the facebook page and to the podcast i've enjoyed their story so much and maybe post pandemic we can come to california and see you in real life and meet jack and his family and you know i mean we're just
2: i'm really grateful for this community
0: yeah absolutely yeah, i was go ahead sorry
2: we very much appreciate it Yeah. we very much appreciate it Ryan.
0: Well, thank you guys. I mean, maybe one day we'll uh, be able to come out to Texas when it's not so hot and humid, and um, maybe do some YouTube yep. videos or just hang out and meet more people. Perfect.
1: Wait till November. Yeah, <laughs> October, well, November.
0: Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys having being on the show, and and we'll uh, we'll talk to you all soon. It's our
1: pleasure. Thanks, Ryan.